Tomahawk, page 297. Thundering feet, yelling, pain when I breathe, bad enough to convince me not to. Someone's lips on mine, blowing, what the hell? The game, I try to open my eyes. Too bright, light shines in and faces crowd over me, ghoulish and distorted. The pain in my chest is bigger than me. I can't fight it. I can't breathe. One man taller than the rest stands to my left. He's tall and thin and familiar enough that I think I've seen him before, but I can't think when. He smiles down at me and holds out his hand. Fingers slender and arms long. In his palm is a chest piece, the king. I close my eyes, but he's still there. When someone close to me, on my right side takes my hand, warm, firm grip, Dad. <clears throat> I hold on tight. I'm in a bed, but not my bed. Way tired. I've stored the pain, but it's all the way to my skin now. <clears throat> like someone has dug a hole in my chest. Mask on my face, it smells like bubble wrap. Tube in my arm. The tall man with the chest piece is gone. I hear voices. I know but can't place. Mum's voice over and over and over. Bug, oh my bug. And the warm, firm grip of Dad's hand in mine, holding on, holding me here. A song now floating into my head about rainbows. Nana's voice, raspy as a bullfrog. Shh, did he move, someone asks. He's stirring Mum's voice all wobbly. I want to tell them to stop talking about me like I'm not here. But when I try and talk, my, verse, my voice is a croak. What did he say? Ginny. Is that Ginny? I open my eyes. My eyelids heavy as stone. By the bed are Mum and Dad and Nana and Beck. And at the end of the bed against the wall are Ginny, Doof, Elodi, Rufus and all the Fidos. It's a proverbial party in here, whatever we are. Bug! Mum kisses my forehead. Dad ruffles my hair. Nana and Becky dance around in a circle and the team do a collective grin. I try to sit up, but something pulls in my chest and it hurts like hell. I look down and I see I've grown a tube from between my ribs and another in my arm. What happened, I croak. You burst a cyst in your lung, Mum says. Your lung collapsed. Not my aorta. I've been talking to the wrong body part the whole time. It's a marfan thing, but totally unpredictable, she says. The doctor says we couldn't have known. I want to ask more, like, is a collapsed lung a once-in-a-lifetime pleasure or could it happen again? Can I still play? But I'm already sleepy and I've only got energy left for one question. I look over at Doof and Ginny. Ginny's eyes are red. The game. Ginny stares at her runners and Doof screws up his mouth. He comes to the bedside. His face is red and sweaty. We drew, stick boy. No! We had to. We couldn't play extra time. But the girls, we couldn't play extra time, but the girls were really upset. Not just the girls, Ginny says. And no one wanted to. But the championship, I don't believe it. We wanted to be here, Ginny says. Some things are more important. Her words are the last things I hear as my eyelids win the battle. I'm out. I lose a few days, courtesy of a painkiller I call the eyelid shutter. 
He puts me to sleep faster than Beck's favourite musical vids. And I have a weird floaty dreams. Lenny says its real name is Morphine. But he likes my name better. Lenny didn't tell me the first time I met him. But he follows Melbourne United and can name every player. And do you know who wore number 37 for Australia, I ask him? Only Thomas Biggins. He won the game for us against Russia, he says. Your number? Lenny gets it. He listens to my chest and checks my charts. What's on those charts anyway? He brings them over and shows me the graph of my temperature and all that. I look closely at the heart rate graph. It bounces all over the page. Sometimes when I'm playing, my heart beats super fast, like I can hear it in my ears. And do you reckon that is that dangerous? I mean, I know my heart is normal and everything, but maybe it's a marfan thing. I take a breath. I don't want anything bad to happen. Lenny asked me some more questions about the palpitations, as he calls them. We'll run some more tests, he says. You should steer clear of those energy drinks. But, you know, sometimes people get palpitations when they're worried about something. He looks at me and I nod. I'm done with secrets. Good to hear. Whether I'm done with basketball or not, nobody knows. My hospital window looks out onto a park where people walk their dogs in the early morning and late afternoon. The dogs, all different sorts, strain and tug at their leashes and when they're let loose, they run in circles with their tails up and heads high. Horse would be in his element out there. I can't wait to see him, and I fill him in on everything that's happened. I have the extra tests for the palpitations, and there is nothing wrong with my heart. Maybe it grew heavy holding my secrets. Mum, Dad and Becky and Nana visit every day. Today, Becky sits on my bed. Nelson tucked in her arms. She watches me closely, and when Mum and Dad tell her it's time to go, she approaches my bed. When can you come home, she asks. Few more days, I say. I have to get rid of this first. I gesture to the tube draining from my chest. Becky's lower lip trembles. I want you at home. I'm okay, Becky, I say. Hey, thanks for everything. You kept my secrets. Secret one and two, she says. Thanks, I say. I mean it. Becky looks pleased. I still want you home. She hesitates for a minute and then hands me Nelson, her face solemn. He can keep you company, she tells me, just until you come home. I cuddle Nelson. Thanks, Beck. I'll take good care of him. We want to play some goalies up when I'm out of here. You can go striker. Her solemn face brightens into a smile. Hey, I need you to do me one more favour. One last secret, I whisper in her ear and she grins and nods. Dad joins us so I stop talking. Nana tells me her conversations with Archie are more peaceful these days. I show Dad the message from Theodore Postlethwaite and he decides he will make contact. He's kind of my cousin, Dad says. Would be nice to get to know him. Dad hesitates. I wanted to ask you something else, Bug. When you're out of hospital, Mel and Rachel are having a ceremony to scatter Andy's ashes. We thought we'd all go together, if you're good with that. I'm okay. Are you? Are they okay? Dad nods. Mum hands me another book from the Fairfield Library's basketball collection. 
Finding your basketball karma. Sounds like something Rufus would like. The coaching book was great, I say to mum. Heaps of good ideas in it. I hesitate. I've, I've been thinking about next season. Lenny says I could have another lung collapse if I'm walking down the street or it might never happen again. Nobody knows. Mum and Dad look at each other and Mum puts her arms around Becky, whose lower lip trembles. I touch my chest where the drain is still attached. I want to try to play, but I don't want to go through that again. Neither do we, Bug, Dad says. That was one big scare you gave us. A gasping, choking noise comes from Mum. Her face is streaming tears and Becky is crying too. Dad envelops them with a hug. Bug, did you know that Mum helped Elodie give you CPR, Dad says. They saved your life. You weren't breathing. And everyone panicked, including me included. Mum and Elodie were just amazing. Mum's face flushes. I wish, she takes a shuddery breath, you didn't have to go through all this. I'm okay, I really am. Mum's not fighting the tears now and they drench her cheeks. I'm getting better each day, I say to Mum. So for next season, do you reckon I can try to play? And if it didn't, doesn't work out, maybe I could get into coaching. I can't imagine the buzz from the sidelines matching the adrenaline on court, but you never know. Let's get you out of hospital first, Dad says. Maybe, Mum says, swallowing hard. Maybe we can go one game at a time. She tries to smile through her tears. Nana steps forward. I have to say something. A basketball blessing, if you will. May the court be yours and whatever life throws you. May you take your shot. We have a family hug for everything that's happened. When are they going to let you out, Duff asks. He's standing by the bed with Ginny and Elodie. Soon. They have to check that the air leak has stopped. Everyone's talking about you, Duff says. You're famous, stick boy. I want to be famous for the game, not for this, I say. I want to be famous for the game, not for this, I say. And then I remember something. Hey, did the AIS scouts turn up at the final? Apparently they were there, but I didn't see anyone, Ginny says. But it's cool. Killer says we can go for the championships again next year. We'll be unbeatable next year, Duff says. What's the verdict on you playing again? Suck it and see, I guess, I say. Elodie hands me some papers. Reviews of... Pneumothorosis in people with Marfan syndrome. Pneumo what? Doof asks. That's what they call the air leak, I say. Oh, Doof says. And quite a random event, she says. No statistical association with activity that I could find. So it was just bad luck, Ginny asks. They couldn't have been picked it up before. No way, I say. It's a Marfan thing. But it's a bit unpredictable. What happens is you have these little blobs on the surface of your lung, kind of like a blister, and no one knows why, but they can burst. Then all the air builds up between your lung and your ribcage and squashes your lung so you can't breathe. So I could have more blobs that could burst or it might never happen again.
Well, teach if it happens again, you might have to repeat that CPR effort. Boof, makes smoochy noises into the air and lets Rippy's machine gun laugh. I mostly did the chest compressions. Elodie looks embarrassed. I try not to think about her kissing my lips in case the team in my shorts gets any ideas. Hey, thanks for doing that, I say to her. Saved my life. She nods. I was very worried. We all were, Ginny says. <clears throat> I feel awkward to be the focus of the attention and glad for it at the same time. I'm okay, I say. Doof punches my arm. Time to get out of here. On my last day in hospital, the lunch tray arrives and it's hard to identify food groups. I think the hospital kitchen thinks I'm toothless because there's mush for entree, slush for main and slop for dessert. A kind of culinary 50 shades of grey. Lenny has said I can go home tomorrow and I'm counting down the minutes. I'm contemplating which pile of mush to try when the door opens and Tickets is standing there holding two foam containers. He doesn't say anything and for a minute neither do I. Have you come to gloat? I ask finally. He shakes his head. Gloat? We didn't win. He looks disgusted. I shrug. You got me off the court. We could, we would have won fair and square if we'd played extra time, but your team refused. You want me to feel sorry for you? He shakes his head. What do the rest of your team think? They think a draw is okay, he says, shaking his head. Go figure. How about the scouts then? Any reaction? They were there taking notes. Dad saw them, he says, but nothing. Yet, he pauses. How's your lung? I nod, going home tomorrow. He puts a foam container down next to my lunch tray. Bought you an HSP, I grin. Any bonus bacteria? None that I'm aware of. He sits down in a chair and opens his HSP. I can smell the meat and the chips and I'm seriously tempted. First, though, there's something I want to know. Why did you do it? Why'd you put that online? He eats a mouthful of his lunch. Initially, it was because I was really, really mad. Rep teams, they're meant to be the best players from each comp, right? That's the rule. And because of one dumb moment, I get rejected. or get ejected and you get in. It's not meant to work like that. Then you turn up again in the mixed comp, right? When I least want you around. You weren't even meant to play. That was a rule. And you and you just swan around as if there's no rules and everyone likes you. Makes me sick. So Tickets loves a rule. You went all out to show me how much it annoyed you. No, because then I started reading about Marfin and I realised you could actually die if you didn't get it checked out properly. And I could tell your team didn't know. You're a useless liar. I was checked out and I was taking medication and everything. I didn't know that. Listen, I didn't want you around, but I didn't want anything bad to happen either. And then Ken's, she shrugs. You made me look stupid in front of her. He looks down at his HSP. Are you going to eat that? The HSP might be laced with cyanide, but I'm desperate enough to risk it. 
I start eating and it's the most fantastic thing I've had in days. Thanks for the lunch, I say. Here's a tip. Next time you want to show your concern for someone, don't post their private medical details on Instagram. He shrugs. I have my reasons. You going to play next season? I don't know. What's it to you? Dad said he'd coach us again if I lay off hassling you. I want to beat you fair and square. I smile on the inside. Thanks for lunch. You might see me on the court next season. You might not. I grin at him and he frowns back infuriated. That's just how it is between tickets and me.